Hello, Bears fans. Welcome back to another episode of Bears on Tap. I'm sure you're sick of my voice already, and you know me. I'm Ron Luce, joined by Q, and we have a very, very special guest with us tonight here on this Thursday night episode covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at Bucks Game Day, Mr. J.C. Allen. J.C., thank you for joining us. Appreciate you hopping on uh, uh, with us here tonight. And uh, J.C., Tell us a little bit, you know, tell our listeners so they're familiar with your work, uh, kind of what you do over at Bucks Game Day. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a writer, insider, reporter um, for Bucks Game Day. It's powered by Sports Illustrated, so it's really cool. I uh, just joined them actually the prior to the season. I was with Peter Report for two years. They're kind of like one of the local yep. beats down there. They've been covering yeah. the team for a while. Uh, before that, I was with Bucks Report. Before that, I was just a fan calling into radio. So I uh, got no background or anything like that. I literally just got my start calling into a podcast. Uh, they liked enough what I was bringing to the table. Uh, this is the year Brady was brought in that they added me as a uh, fixture on the podcast. Then I got my own podcast, got credentialed through the Bucks, the NFL, and kind of worked my way to where I am now. So uh, self-made at the age of 34. So <laughs> it's been uh, 33. So it's been a wild ride over the last uh, three years going to my fourth season here. But yeah, happy to be here to chop it up with you guys. Uh, nice little matchup coming up this week between two former divisional rivals. Um, lots of uh, history between the not too much favoring the Bucks side, but uh, uh, we'll see if that that can start to change here. Uh, you know, starting with this uh, this new team this this year. Absolutely. So if you said you were with the Pewter Report, were you with them the last time the Bears and Bucks played down in Tampa in the last rookie year? Yeah, the last two seasons I was so I was there um, with the infamous. Four, four, yeah. four. Yeah, Tom Brady, yeah. and then yeah, with uh, Fields' rookie season. Okay. Yeah, where he so that was the first year I started doing scouting reports and all the Bears opponents, and I very well might have used something you wrote to make <laughs> my, my Buck scouting report. Like, <laughs> I, as you said that, that just like clicked in my head. It's like I know Pewter Report had good stuff for me on like yeah. their 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 scheme and what to expect in certain spots, and I know I I looked at, I read a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. most likely. I've I've also followed Peter Report for quite a few years, so I'm very very familiar and uh, have definitely seen your name a couple times. And as for that man, I mean seriously, thank you for joining us because you know I I feel like coming into the season, you know, both of our teams almost were going in different directions than how Week One went, right? Like mm-hmm. the the at least especially from the national media. Everybody was down on the Bucks. Nobody was picking them to win the division. Everybody's high on New Orleans and Atlanta. A couple people are high on the Panthers, which I don't entirely understand why, but that's neither here nor there. But nobody's been talking about the Bucks. And then they go in to Minnesota, take care of business, which, hey, we appreciate that. We weren't the only 0-1 NFC North team. Thank you for that. <laughs> but the Bears were the exact opposite. A lot of hype coming into the season. All oh, the Bears are the the team to watch, and they go out and they lay that egg that we all saw at three twenty five on Sunday in the Central Time Zone. JC, quick question, I think for me to start here is just in the local area, especially in Tampa, was it the same narrative about this Bucks team coming into the year as it was on the national scale? I think. On the national scale, no. There was just uh, the, the local scale. There's too much talent on this team to really kind of be in that Caleb Williams bottom three team in the league type deal. Um, I think there's some cautious optimism um, regarding the teams being able to, you know, really put out a winning record this season. Um, but the on the on the level that <laughs> on the level that uh, the national media was making it out to be not at all. I mean, you still got guys like Trishan Wirfs on this team, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, all in the offense and the defense, Vita Vea, Levante David, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, so there's just too much talent, I feel like, and, and with Bulls defense that, that this team was just going to roll over and die. Uh, they weren't tanking. They weren't rebuilding. It was always a retool. Uh, you're dealing with, you know, 42% of their cap space right now mm-hmm. is tied up in players who will not suit up for the Buccaneers this year. So it was one of those that they had to go bargain bin basement hunting. And they grabbed a few uh, really good pieces, I think. Mm-hmm. Ryan Neal, Greg Gaines gave them valuable minutes. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds is going to be a guy who's going to have some impact here as a third down back. Um, and throughout the draft, I mean, Light kind of nailed on, on his draft picks, especially the early ones that he needed to, and uncovered some undrafted free agent gems. So 
Um, it's one of these seasons where for Todd Bowles, it's difficult because, you know, last year when he was handed the team, it was in March. He wouldn't really have wasn't able to put his own stamp on it as far as free agency was over. Uh, the coaching staff was already in place this year. He changes out the coaching staff, which is going to make a huge, um, huge difference. And, and we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, he's still handicapped with such a large cap it from Brady retiring the dead money from, you know, trying to win those three years with Brady here. So it's been a difficult offseason for them, kind of just peacemaking a team. 13 rookies made the team, six on draft of agents, which is crazy. You don't really see that. But a lot of these guys are going to have significant roles. A few of them are starters. So, um, you know, I, I don't – I think in the long, grand scheme of things, this team is going to be a lot better. It's going to surprise some people nationally. But locally, if they if they go ten and seven, I don't you know nine and eight, I don't think people are going to be as surprised locally as, as people will be nationally. Right. I mean, so I I agree with you on that. Like as as an outsider, I mean, I every off season I do a, a series for a podcast I do where we go through every team. We do talk like thirty minutes on the team, and I spend like hours every week just diving into as much data as I can find on them. And when we, when we looked at the Bucks, I was like, this defense is too good for them to be bad. Like, th- there's way too much talent here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's they're, they're still all pros, Pro Bowl caliber type players on the defense. And and even with the offense that's going through, you know, a change of system, change of scheme, changes on the O-line, changes that quarterback. Um, a lot of youth on there. You know, you look at like the third wide receiver is either a rookie or a second year player. The tight ends are all second year players. The running back is a second year player and a rookie. You're the right side of the line is a second year player, a rookie, a third year player. Um, Trisha Wirfs is Trisha Wirfs is fourth year player, but it doesn't matter because it's out, outstanding. But it's yeah. real. It's a really young team, um, and that defense is gonna was gonna be the thing. And, and we saw that on Sunday. That needs to kind of hold it together until the offense catches up to it. So I think it'll be more of that as the season goes. I think that bye week they have in week five sucks for any team, but for the, for a team like the Buccaneers, it comes at a good spot almost because you've got four games to look at and say, okay, this is what we wanted to do on offense. This is what we were good at on offense. What do we highlight? This is what our players are good at. And, and Dave Canales, a new offense coordinator is really good at that. Um, being able to kind of diagnose what his team's good at, what's not, and he's going to be able to implement that over a 13-game stretch, which is quite a gruel um, down the rest of the season, but at least they'll have a handle on kind of what um, what's working best for this team going forward. So it's one of those double-edged swords, but the defense certainly is is still a very talented defense. And you saw it with three turnovers yes, uh, last week. They let Jeff, Justin Jefferson beat them up in that first half, and then came around and locked them down for two for 12 in the second half and kind of made them one-dimensional, and they couldn't get anything running uh, going on the running game either. So they're going to carry him for a bit. Um, It's just how good that defense is. So with Dave Canales, like you mentioned him a few times in there, new offensive coordinator coming in from Seattle. Um, I think I read today that he'd never called plays before this year, which was interesting to me. Um, And he he got to really pretty much – overhaul the entire Tampa offensive staff for one reason or another. I think there was one, one uh, position coach who stuck around, but my question here is what, what should we expect from this offense? Like, I, I mean, so we, I, I watched the game from last week, but that's only one game, you know, I can't right. use it to base everything on. So uh, being a guy who, who followed them all through camp, all through the off season, what do you think we should expect from this offense? Yeah, so I mean, they did pretty much completely overhaul that that uh, that offensive side of the ball. They held on to tight ends coach John Van Dam and the offensive line coaches, but running backs coach is gone, wide receivers coach is gone, quarterbacks coach is gone. Um, in, in there, they they brought up other. Skip Pete is one of those guys they brought in from Dallas, who yeah, obviously worked last year. Yeah, with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. So, uh, as far as the offense, they the 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 thing about Canales is he's so positive, he's so upbeat. He he knows when and how to like get guys to buy in, um, which is huge, obviously for for a team, especially with a first time play caller. They have all completely bought in in this system, and after week one, they completely bought in as well. Uh, the biggest one of the biggest things last season that that 
frustrated Bucks fans, media, everything alike, was the lack of adjustments. They just refused to make adjustments and just continue to run their guys out there and say, just go beat your matchup and we'll get you the Tom will get you the ball. It doesn't work in today's NFL. And we saw that right before the half. They made some proper adjustments to what Brian Flores was doing, and they were able to go down and get a touchdown. After the half, they got the ball right away after deferring in the first. Um, Two up nine minutes of the clock, scored a touchdown, gave him that lead. So um, being able to make those adjustments, realize when something's not working um, and going to something different. He talked about that today in his press conference. He was just, you know, he's like the first couple of plays of the game. I'm like, who took my play? This is not my play sheet. Who took my play sheet? You know, just like these aren't working. Give me something new. Um, and, you know, it took a little bit to get adjusted to that. But once they did, they really started kind of get rolling. One of the biggest things that they preach is protecting the football. They did a great job of that on the offensive side for playing you guys know how loud it is up in minnesota um for a team that this is the real first extended look that this offensive line has had with a rookie on there and a second year player um two of them playing kind of out of different positions actually everyone's playing a new position on that offensive line other than the center zero pre-snap penalties as well so He's got his guys ready to go. They're dialed in, mentally focused. They know what to do. They know that out of this play, out of the, if we're getting this look, we can change into this look, and it's still the same for same uh, formation, still the same personnel, but now we have a different way to beat you and counteract. So all those different things are definitely going to help um, this offense, uh, and and Dave Canales is at the core of it, You know, being able to recognize when to go away from something, when to stick with something, when things aren't aren't working out. And as a first time play caller, that's huge. Well, and Baker Mayfield at the core of it too, right? I mean, that, what you just said explains so much about, he was probably the most active quarterback, the line of scrimmage of any team on Sunday, which was surprising for a guy in a brand new offense. He was changing every, it it felt like he was changing everything constantly. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, Flores, well, Flores, that Minnesota defense is a very young group. Um, they've jettisoned a lot of their free, a lot of their older guys and got rid of some people's at area Smith, uh, Eric Kendricks, who's been there for years. is one of their best inside linebackers. He's gone and they're relying on second year players and Brian Osamoa, second year cornerback and Caleb Evans and a lot of just young pieces, uh, for him to get those guys in a situation where they loaded the box a lot, which limited the running game. And then they just pressured, pressure, pressure. Um, yeah. So they had to go, they had to pretty much throw their entire game script out the window from what they planned on doing to combat that pressure. And once they figured it out and Flores still got the best of them sometimes, but once they figured it out, they were able to start moving the ball down the chains and Baker's a big part of that, you know, being able to, and, and this offense fits him so well i could do a whole show on baker mayfield and how he's had you know seven head coaches and six offensive coordinators before landing here you know the only offense he really fit in was kevin stefanski's office the year that he went 11 and 5 brought them to the almost the afc championship game if the defense could have wrapped up chad henny on that fourth and 13 scramble um that you know carolina thing was just a was never going to work from the start bad system it was more of a move by the owner to get a name in then going out to la after he was unceremoniously released uh he turns around has that great game but now he's dealing with no cooper cup a banged up offensive line a running game that's pretty much non-existent and inconsistent with cam Akers. and alan robinson doesn't even who that guy's he's like a ghost of himself at this point yeah um so yeah. now he's he's back in a system in 2021 that year he was dealing with a Torn labrum and his non-throwing shoulder banged up elsewhere. OBJ quit and his dad, you know, the whole issue with that where they released him and he went to the Rams. He just now he's in a system where it fits him perfectly. He's got players on the outside, skill makers that he's never had before. Um, and he's got a he's got a, a, a offensive coordinator that knows how to put him in situations for him to succeed and thrive. And I think we're going to see that. It's funny talking about Dave Canales because he is a first-time OC, first-time play caller, but he's seen so much in his 13 years with Seattle with Pete Carroll and Marty uh, Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel mm-hmm. and you know the coordinator, I forget his name, coordinator he had there last year who came from the Rams. Uh, it, it's like he's got so much experience to draw back on, and that was one knock last year. Byron Leftwood didn't have any other, anything other than the Aryan system to draw, draw on. So he's got this wealth of knowledge that he uses and – very smart guy um, that, you know, if he doesn't know the answer, he's not afraid to ask or find out the answer and then apply that answer and, and find the solution. So um, I think the duo, 
the, the team Baker did announce is really going to shock a lot of people. And as Bucks here said, you know, he was, was pretty much the reason why you know, Swift had here last year. Um, you know, that system obviously was a huge part of it, but he was, he was instrumentally winning come player of the year, throwing 1,000 yards in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it, uh, I was about to say, as, as you were wrapping that right before you said it, uh, one of the commenters here, Bucketeers Podcast, Canals was essential to the rebirth of Geno last year. Um, and that was probably his biggest selling point, I think, from everything I've read about him. Um, but are you – did we lose you there? Or you're frozen up on our end. So okay. can you just give me like an okay if you're good? He's moving a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's still frozen up on our end. Um, so, just uh, JC, hop in whenever you're good. Like whenever you think you're. Oh wait, there you go. We got I'm you. Good. No, okay. Good. Okay. I've I'm got good. one. Oh no! Speak too soon. We got him, and then we lost him again. Yeah. All right, so again, maybe just jump in in a a minute here. There you go. You're blinking now. All right. So I think, yeah, you're good. You're good now. Can you hear me now? I got one of those, like, Mephi Wi-Fi boxes, and for some reason my computer likes to bump me off of my Wi-Fi and connect me to that thing, and obviously the signal's not as strong, so I apologize. Well, your video quality just improved a lot, too, so (laughs) that works. Um, So (laughs) – I have another question for you. Then I'll let Ron go because I'm sure he has some questions too. But from that week one game, what were your main takeaways from it? Funny you ask. I actually wrote an article about that. And I'll have that article come out every Monday. It's called The Extra Point at Bucks Game Day. Uh, So definitely check that out if you're interested. But uh, my first takeaway was the run defense looked sharp. I mean, the run defense was really um, getting back to what they used to be like uh, back, you know, before last year, obviously, but uh, Alexander Madison has been a, a successful running back when he's been, excuse me, the one carrying the load. And uh, the Buccaneers did a good job containing him. They did a, they did a heck of a job limiting anybody else as rushers. I mean, when you look at it, they really only let up 34 yards to him and another seven to Cousins, so 41 total yards on the ground, and that makes the team one-dimensional. So that was one of the biggest things. They were living in the backfield. Devin White probably had his best game as a, as a Buccaneer, uh, just able to get to the line of scrimmage uh, and wrap guys up, get behind the line of scrimmage, especially when you know there were short passes. He was immediately there to, to stop them. Um, so, I mean, he, he was all over the place. Um, my other takeaway uh, was that, you know, this Buccaneers offense is a work in progress. It's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, things are going to pro- uh, progress slowly, uh, but when everything kind of clicks, it's going to be special, I think. I think there's a lot of things that they can do. I kind of touched on it. A lot of things they can do from certain looks that they're going to be able to duplicate um, and really kind of confuse people confused defenses they're going to expect one look and then it's going to come something's going to come completely off the other way and it's going to it's going to allow them to um keep teams honest um and you know the thing about this offensive system too um is they get guys moving uh, laterally horizontally instead of vertically so you know it tires the uh the uh, the defense out um, it allows, you know, the offensive line to take advantage of the athleticism, um, and really kind of put the defense in a precarious situation as the game continues to go. So that's one thing that I think is going to be, but it's going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and then my, my final take that I talked about was just the adjustments, which we talked about the adjustments on the offensive and defensive side of the ball were so huge, um, because, it allowed you, you. I mean, if you watch the game, you saw what happened. You know, those the Bucks couldn't move the ball those first five drives at all. They had like 30, 30 offensive yards going into almost going into the half before that scoring drive they went on. So, um, and then those adjustments allowed them to get two quick touchdowns back to back right before the half, right after the half. On the defensive side, you're getting killed 
by Jay Jetta. He was just, you know, seven receptions for for 138 yards. Those adjustments to slow him down on the defensive side held him to two yard two catches for 12 yards. Those are my biggest takeaways. You know, I thought there was a, a lot of good play from a lot of players. Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, was all over the field. I talked about Devin White a little bit for a second there. Um, I, I think another guy who was really impressive, obviously, was Baker Mayfield. No turnovers, led two scoring drives, um, delivered a heck of a, a heck of a throw to Chris Godwin um, to let him finish the game in in, in victory formation. So. Um, those are things that all build upon coming into this week home opener against the Bears. One hundred percent. And JC, want to go back to a little bit of that discussion around the offense because, first off, a, a really big shout out to everybody joining us in the comments. Uh, a lot of people that follow you, JC, joining us tonight. Uh, we certainly welcome them. Some of our followers as well. Um, Scott, a loyal follower of ours, saying Tristan Wirfs is the greatest Hawkeye tackle he's ever watched. Scott's out in Iowa, um, so he's really into it. And kind of going back to what uh, Bucketeers podcast said here with Canales being essential to rebirth of Geno last year. I feel like. As soon as as any recent NFL fan hears Seattle and the Seahawks offense, they immediately think, well, they had Russ. They move on from Russ. Geno is resurrected to be the quarterback that everybody expected him to be coming out of West Virginia when he was initially drafted. To me, when I step back and I look at this team, I go, wow, there are a lot of real similarities to that Seahawks team, aren't there? Because you got a strong offensive line group in the front. you got really good weapons on the outside and Evans and Godwin. To me, and then you have some of those underrated guys at the tight end position, right? Kate Otten, amongst others. To me, Rashad White is the biggest, I think, national question mark of the Buccaneers offense, obviously outside of Baker Mayfield, not in the quarterback position. What have you seen from a guy like Rashad White? And do you think he is the player that they need in Canellis' system to truly make this work the way it has in Seattle for so many years? Well, I think they'll be using a rotation. Rashad's definitely the, the top guy, but he does a lot of things just kind of smooth and natural. You know, like I said, they're loading the box quite a bit. So, you know, they're still getting good push, but it's up to Rashad to be able to use his vision, uh, patience, and find those holes and churn out those extra yardage. He didn't succeed at that, um, and he'll be the first one to tell you that. Um, he was <laughs> he actually said this on the Buccaneers Total Access Radio Show that they do. He's not happy with his game. He's he knows he left a lot of meat on the bone, um, and I think we'll see some improvement. It's tough too because he only had two drives in the preseason. Um, so with teams not playing in the preseason more and more, and with them doing some exotic things in the beginning that wasn't even allowed, allowing the run game get going, and, and then following that up by you know a stack box and still you know having that extra that extra defender you're not able to block, it stymied some of the things they wanted to do. But there was still some some yardage there that he could have gotten that he left out there. So. Uh, I know he's not happy about it. I think he's got the potential to do it. We saw it last year, especially in that game against the Seahawks, which Dave Canales was on the other side. And um, I, I, I think with more time, again, like I said, this offense is a work in progress. The more reps they get, the more opportunities they get. I think they've got a pretty good opportunity this weekend against your run defense. Uh, it's been improved a little bit by the by the T's back there, Tremaine and TJ. Um, uh, they did all right last week against the run now running backs yeah. out of the backfield that's a different story yeah that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole Andrew other billings story. is the name to watch against the run andrew yes. billings looked like a, a brick wall last week right so, yeah, that's the only guy though that, that's about all we got <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i think there's opportunity there they really like what they have with sean tucker undrafted free agent on his this probably would have been a day two, if not early, early day three pick. Um, if you didn't have the heart issue come up at the combine, fully healthy. He runs a 4-3-40, um, 4-3 and change. You know, we don't really know because he had the heart thing. But um, he's, he's the fastest guy in the room, and, and he can make some people miss. And all three of their, their top backs can all operate on all three downs. They have, they're all incredible pass blockers. They can catch the ball out of the backfield. They can create for themselves. Um, it's just, again, repetitions, I think it's going to be the biggest thing. Um, especially, you know, you look at a guy like Sean Tucker who got reps in the preseason, but not necessarily with that top offensive line. So not being able to like read their body language on how they block and how they open up holes. 
Rashad White. They got plenty of it in practice, but practice and game, we all know, is completely different. The speed is different, especially in the running game. Um, because you're not trying to hurt your guys, so you're not going full speed. You know, you're kind of like half-ass blocking. Um, you know, so I, I think as they get more games and more games, I think they'll warm they'll warm up, start heating up. That's when you'll see Rashad White. I know fan, people fantasy like I thought he was a number one. Uh, <laughs> he'll get there eventually. I think it's just going to take a couple of games for him to warm up. Um, and then, I mean, they've got that Eagles defense, which I'm watching right now, is just tough. Uh, in week three after the Bears. So that will be a good challenge for them to see where they're at after this week. Yeah, 100%. And with just quickly following up on that, because Tucker was a guy that I followed closely. I We had our, our first ever in, in a, a fantasy league I was in. It was a we're doing a dynasty league. And I was like, oh, nice. I need to find a I need to find a late round running back of value. And Tucker was the guy, you know, it was right around the time that he had latched on with the Bucks as an undrafted free agent. And I was like, you know, they don't got, you know, playoff Lenny anymore. Rashad White's the guy, but he's got a chance to be that number two. Do you really think that, like, it could get to a point that we've seen over the years, like up in Seattle, right, when it was those split backfields with, like, Chris Carson and then now with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet? Like, do you think Tucker can be a high-quality number two for this Buccaneers offense to actually have kind of that that healthy – two back duo that I think they probably want to do given Canales's background. Yeah, I, I do. And I, and I think that's exactly most teams want that, right? There's only so Absolutely. few dinner. I mean, look at the Falcons too. Algier t- out touched Bijan Robinson, outran Bijan Robinson. I mean, most teams want to have those two guys and that's why the emphasis on paying a running back 15, $16 million isn't there anymore because you want to have those two guys. It's a long season. They take a lot of hits. It's take a lot of carries. You want to have two guys that can tote the rock. If you have one guy that's incredible, obviously that's amazing, but you still want a good. I mean, even last uh, last week, Tajay Spears out touched Derrick Henry. You know, um, I didn't it, realize that. Yeah, I mean, it's just you, you look at it, and more teams and more teams, especially early in the season, want their guys to be rested up, want their guys to take to to split those carries as long as it's effective um, to kind of. L- Take that wear and tear, especially over a 17 game season. That's still or 18 games, 17, 18, 18 week season that doesn't have an extra bye week worked into it yet. And the playoffs got even longer as well, with only one person having a uh, having a bye. So, um, so it, it's one of those situations where I, I think Rashad's the guy. But Sean Tucker, for sure, will definitely get his fair share of opportunities. He got them last week. Again, different, you know, the circumstances they're going up against. It was difficult for them to gain yardage on the ground, uh, but he still showed some positive, uh, positive plays um, and, and the ability that hey, he might be able to be a solid contributor for the Bucks going forward. So they, they're definitely going to use all three of those guys. They all, all three of them got got touches. How they even them up? Um, I still think it's probably going to be Rashad White with probably about seventy to seventy-five. And then Sean Tucker will get that, you know, 15 to 20 with Chase getting that 5%, maybe 10% in that two-minute type situation, um, you know, third down type of role. Um, but they're all going to get their opportunities. I mean, Tucker had five um, – you know, you look at it, he had five uh, five rushes for 15 yards. Um, Edmonds had two rushes for eight yards. They even did an end around with Keem Jarrett. Uh, so, I mean, everyone's going to get their opportunity to touch the rock, but Rashad's the main guy here for now. And uh, Sean works his way up into that lineup. He's definitely going to get the opportunities. So, speaking of the running game, like I noticed, especially in the first half, uh, I, I don't recall what the second half looked like personnel-wise, but the first half, it seemed like they were really trying to force the issue with heavy personnel, like 12, 13 personnel yep. out there. Um is that something you, th- you think continues? Do you think uh, you, you work one of these young receivers? Like I think Trey Palmer, I believe out of Nebraska, yeah. is that right? Or Devin Tompkins into the slot role? Or do you think that's going to be more double tight end type formations? I, I think they'll utilize a little bit of both. I think the double tight end is something that they used a lot last year in Seattle. I just don't know if they have... And again, Seattle's tight ends aren't great either. You know, Noah Fant, Will Disley, and I always forget the last guy's name because he's not that special. Um, these guys aren't world beaters, but that room still put up 100 receptions, over 100 receptions between the three of them. 
Um, I just don't see that same level of production. That's the youngest tight end room in the league. Mm-hmm. Cole Keith is more of that blocker tight end, and he even struggled some with some blocking. Kadot in did not look good blocking at all. He's a good receiver, but he's got a lot of work. So, um, but then you're dealing with second year wide receiver, first year rookie wide receivers. Like, do you do that three wide receiver with without the depth that you have? You only have five rostered every week, so. It's one of those things where I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I think they'll still stick with that 12 personnel groupings. Um, maybe they cycle David Wells in for Coquif more often because he's got provides a little bit of an upside as a receiver. And if you watch that game, Coquif, uh, the first two passes went to him. They were both drops, and then he dropped a touchdown that most players would have made. It was a little high on yeah. Baker's half, but that I one mean, was, still, that one was rough. A little most. Most athletic tight ends and wide receivers will you got your hands on it, you got to bring it down. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think they'll still go heavy, but they'll work in that 11 personnel as well, too. It's all going to dictate on matchup, we know that, right? Yeah. Every week is going to be different. Um, as the game goes on, those adjustments that Bucks fans didn't see, those will be different and they'll adjust to what's working, what's not working, um, what the defense is giving them. So, I think the base package they'll come out with a lot of the time. It's probably going to be that 12 heavy personnel, though. Okay, interesting. Um, and I have one more question here on the defense. And it's the first yeah. one I've asked about the defense, shockingly, because that's that's the one that scares me way more than it. Like, I mean, not that I don't respect the Bucks' offense, but like their defense is on a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, how has this defense attacked mobile quarterbacks and how have they fared against mobile quarterbacks? up up and down it's different though this year because of the personnel is different they've got a lot younger they got a lot faster um guys like yaya diaby who run a four five forty and is my just heart, an He's my favorite guy at the senior bowl <laughs> he's really good uh joe trying he's in that full-time starting role he's fast athletic uh if kalaja Kansi can go he's he hasn't practiced the last two days but uh, he did the kind of the same thing. If he does, I think he'll be on a snap count. Uh, but his speed jumps out the page. I mean, you watched that game last week. He buried Kirk Cousins on one play, was nearly close to getting a sack on another play. Um, you know, that speed from there. The linebackers, we know, Devin White, sideline to sideline. Um, so there's tons of speed out there to be able to track down and kind of contain fields, but that's going to be the biggest thing. Herbert killed them last time they played too. He had over, uh, he had over a hundred rushing yards, five catches for 33 yards. He was just all over the place in, in 2021. So they'll have to worry about him as well. Um, but the biggest thing, right. You contain Justin Fields, make him uh, a pocket passer and things are probably going to go in your favor that game. And um, that's why I think they're hoping Kansi can play because he can push that pocket and funnel you know, fields to the outside where hopefully they've got those outside linebackers there that have speed and athleticism and can kind of bring him down, contain him, push him back inside to the big boys trying to get the sack or grab the sack themselves. Um, one thing that, you know, works in your, in, in their, in the bears favor on offense, but also kind of in the sense of it couldn't have come at a better time with Justin Fields as, as a starter is Carlton Davis is likely not going to play in this game. He's got turf toe. I reported that earlier. Um, he's got turf toe. He's probably going to miss this game. If he does, we'll see tomorrow if he practices. And, and if he does, that means he's going to tough this game out. Um, I think they'd rather be inclined to let him sit this game um, and make sure he's good for the Eagles on Monday night football. Um, but we'll see. I mean, uh, we'll see. Uh, he's also a big prize money quarterback cornerback that yeah. has gone up against DJ Moore quite a bit. And I think there's, there, there's some, uh, there's always bad that blood. not bad blood, but always when you're growing up against someone, you know, you, you, you know, their tendencies, you know, and he's done a pretty good yeah. job at holding them, holding them in, in check. So, um, but at the same time, I think Zion McCollum will probably take that starting spot and he's got four, three speed and, you know, if he gets on the outside, he's a guy. His tackling has some question marks, and I think Bucks fans are kind of concerned about that. But he's a guy that's got the speed that can, you know, catch and chase uh, fields if he gets out out of the pocket and, and able to contain him. But it's going to be a difficult situation. Um, the, some of the best teams in the league try to stop him, and they can't. Uh, once he gets going, he gets going, and he's difficult to bring down. He, he knows what he can do as a runner, and he'll rely on that. Um, 
to his detriment of his passing uh, as a a progression as a passer. But, you know, when he gets the tuck step ball and runs, you got to be aware. You got to be able to make the tackle. Or else he's going to turn that to a big gain and potentially take it to the house. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and one, you know, that was kind of got me thinking on the defensive side here, JC, because as Bears fans, right, we all had the expectation in terms of you mentioned Khalil Herbert. And last year really kind of came onto the scene. David Montgomery had owned that backfield for the years prior. Now, obviously, Montgomery's in Detroit. Everybody's, oh, it's Khalil's backfield. Well, Every time Herbert was in the game against Green Bay, it was just non-existent. Nothing was there. And then they put in Roshan Johnson, which... I love Roshan Johnson. Yeah, I think a lot of Bears fans love love Roshan, too. And I think everybody appreciated him a lot more after Sunday's game because he is just that physical, he'll run you over, dare I say, shades of Mr. Mike Alstott, just puts down the shoulder, doesn't care about his body. Kind of the same question. Deceptive speed indeed. So kind of along the same lines of Q's question, but maybe in a different facet here is with probably if I'm a betting man, we probably see more Roshan than anybody else out of the backfield just because of the impact he had when he was on the field for the Bears in week and one. his ability as a pass protector against Todd Bowles blitzes. Yes, yes, <laughs> much better blocker than than Herbert is for sure. How do you think the Bucks because Bucks run defense had a really good week one. How do you think they're going to prepare for such a physical running back coming out of the backfield? Because in, it feels like in today's NFL, there's not as many guys that are as physical as Roshan Johnson as there was 10, 12 years ago in the NFL. Vita Vea. Vita Vea. Um, he is an absolute load. He's going to uh, – I, I think if they try to run up the gut, they're going to have some some difficulties. Uh, they've got – you know, they've got a good D-line rotation too. Greg Gaines is another guy there. Mike Green is someone who they're really high on. They have uh, Will Golston that they brought back. Logan Hall had some really good plays, bulked up to 300 pounds. He's the guy who can work as a pass rusher as well um, and really kind of use that. He, had, he dropped Madison for a three-yard loss. Um, and, you know, Devin White, Levante David, I think this Bucks team – They've got the pieces to be a really good run defense, no matter who's in the game. I, I mean, whether you're talking, you're putting out CMC there against with the 49ers in, in week 12 that, or week 11 that they have, or no, I think it's week 13, whatever, one of those weeks. They got CMC coming up. They got B. John Robinson coming up. If you're going to try to run it up the gut, I think it's going it's going to be a long day for running backs. On the outside, Shaq Barrett's one of the best run run uh, stoppers at uh, as an edge rusher in the league. He does an amazing job containing. Um, I think Anthony Nelson is another guy who's really good at run stuffing. Devin White's got that sideline to sideline speed, and it, it looks like he's finally got the mental aspects down. Not that he didn't, but the instincts, the read and react, the ability to see what's coming on the play and get there. And before they can make that next step, the next move, we saw him drop a lot of guys at or behind the line of scrimmage last week. So with that, and obviously Levante David's instincts are incredible. All these guys are in the secondary willing to get their, their hands dirty and run support. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., he he played, he can one of the best in the box, 10 sacks already in just four seasons with the Buccaneers. He can get into the backfield in a hurry, uh, drop some guys. Ryan Neal's another guy. I think both of their cornerbacks went healthy. I mean, Jamel Dean is is tremendous in run and run block, uh, run support as well in tackling. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've got a handful of guys there. Uh, it, I, I think this run defense is <laughs> so good. Um, I think this run defense is just going to be. Uh, really difficult for teams to kind of get a grasp on how to how to beat, and it's going to make them one-dimensional. In a week like this, it works in the Bucks' favor, where Justin Fields still hasn't taken that step as a as a quarterback as a passer, um, and that's what a lot of Bears fans and uh, front office and personnel are waiting for, right? This is a game that's going to test him. You're not going to be able to take off scrambling and running like you can in other, typically other matchups, um, likely against this Bucks team. You're going to have to sit back there. You're going to have to make those throws with anticipation, go through your reads, because if not, the Bears are going to end up with an early, early, early pick, and the Carolina Panthers are still a young team, and they're way away. They're going to end up with an early pick, and they could end up with two top ten picks in this draft uh, next 
coming up next year. And Fields might be finding somewhere else to play. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll we'll cross that road when we get there. We uh I know I already <laughs> we, we end up in that discussion a lot, actually. And that's the main reason I'm kind of segueing it because it's like I don't want people listening to be like, We've heard this, we've heard this. Like yeah, I know it's just from so, an outside perspective. That's yeah, what I see. Well, sure. Oh, we appreciate hundred percent. You know, like he's gotta prove that he can be more than a runner. He's got to yeah, prove yeah. that he can hang back there, make those throws. They got him some weapons now, right? Um, yeah. And this is going to be one of those games I think that will test him in that aspect. Yeah, I've I've been saying since since Sunday night, this is a giant test for him. This is a giant spot for him. He needs to show that he can attack downfield against blitz fronts, against these these heavy disguise zone coverages that he's going to get thrown at with mugged up line. Like yep. it's going to be a lot, and he needs to perform with it. Like it, this this week is it's not ideal for him, but after coming off the week last week, he needs to show something for a lot of the fans' faith. Peter Vay dropped. Peter Vay dropped back in coverage last week, just to give you an idea of how yeah. crazy Todd Balls is with his oh, looks yeah. and his schemes. You know, so it's 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 uh it's it's difficult for quarterbacks to get a beat on it. That's for sure. Now, well, as you were talking, one question that I had, I wrote in my my game preview today, that one of the kind of unknowns in this defense, I think, is the nickel corner. I think it's Idzik, something Izzy. along those lines. Izzyan. Um yeah. How's his it's, run defense? How is because he, he's like five foot eight? I want to say I read and five, eight, five as, nine, somewhere on there. Yeah. So how how does he hold up against the run, or is it kind of more of a linebackers fill Shaq Barrett covers for him and he's a scrappy dude man yeah he's a scrappy dude like he um everyone talks about that play he made before the half of the interception right where he just kind of grabbed the ball took it away from KJ Osborne people people forget because of that play is that he um he took down Jordan Addison on, on a third and nine play where, you know, if he, if Addison is able to just extend, he's getting that first down and that's keeping the ball moving for, for the Vikings. And we're talking about a different game. You know, the other play people like this is that, that Madison's touchdown that he scored on him, but Madison made a great move, showed great effort not to go down. And, and the form was perfect there from Christian Izzian. I think they've got a stud in this guy, man. I, Nickel cornerback is one of the hardest positions to play in the league because you're asked to do so much run support. You're asked, you know, you're switching a lot too. Um, and, and oftentimes they'll put some of their, their best run blockers on, on there. Like KJ Osborne is a heck of a run blocker. He was able to get off run blocks and wasn't a liability that way. Um, he's dealing with concussion right now, uh, probably from that cheap shot that, you know, Jefferson gave him, um, towards the end of the game but i i think that if he can go he's going to be all right it's one of those things where um concussions are no joke he didn't practice yesterday today he was limited we'll see tomorrow we'll get an update from todd bowles whether he's playing or not if he doesn't it'd be d delaney who'd be the next man up and he's like your classic every man can kind of do everything but nothing great you know he's not a lie he's not Ryan Gosling and remember the Titans bad, but he's he's not <laughs> great either, you know. Great reference. That is an great incredible reference because I just I've been I've been watching clips. I'm like ready to watch that movie after seeing so many of them <laughs> on the internet nowadays. It's that's incredible reference. And I was that that is something too that I also am thinking about is the nickel corner position because for the Bears on the flip side, Kyler Gordon just went on the IR yeah, today. Saw that. Four weeks gone. A lot of I don't even know if they actually announced why. They just said he went on the IR. And but it looks like a broken hand. Yeah. Um, I don't even know who you guys have jumping in there. Exactly. Uh, Josh Blackwell, <laughs> I believe. Josh he played Blackwell, last year. He, Blackwell he did not some practice flashes, today. but um, yeah, yeah, Blackwell didn't practice today either. Yeah, I don't Blackwell think. didn't practice today. He's he's hurt. He was limited yesterday. Did not practice today. So it they called be, up somebody. Yeah, they, they brought up uh, Greg Stroman Jr. Uh, spent some oh, that's right. That's who it is. It's Stroman. Yeah. Stroman's yeah. expected yeah, to fill in. He'll probably play this slot. But also, also, the Bears have a lot of a lot of random UDFA guys who played last year and showed some flashes because, I yeah. mean, they showed plenty of ugh, moments too. But, like, right. if you're UDFA, you might show some flashes here and there, and they did. Yeah, they had a lot of what guys are, to step up. One of the things I think that they can take advantage of is – 
um, taking advantage of Eddie Jackson, taking advantage of some of the, because you look at Eddie Jackson, he's been all pro. Obviously he's great. He's, he's one of those guys that if he's not playing deep, he can get himself into trouble. He's missed like 67 career tackles and the bucks have some guys that can create, you know, after the catch. So if they're doing these quick passes and Eddie's got to keep sneaking up to the line instead of playing deep, I think they can take advantage of them that way. Even the linebackers. I mean, Tremaine Edwards turned it around recently, but they still have missed a ton of tackles in their careers um, for linebackers who, who are both kind of more that downhill. Neither one of these guys are coverage backers. They're more of those downhill physical forces. Obviously, they're not coverage backers. <laughs> you guys watched the game against the Packers last week. Um, so, like, sorry, I don't mean to throw salt on the wind like that. But no, I, okay. I, think, I think that's one of those things. Yannick Ngagwe, too, like, He's not a guy who can set the edge, really. He's more of a straight pass rusher. You can't drop him back into coverage. So I think that's one area for this Bears team, right? Nickel cornerback could be a guy who's got two career games under his belt um, th- that they can take advantage of this defense is those quick passes, um, kind of get these guys off balance and out of and having to tackle guys in space. Um, if they try to throw the ball deep, Jalen Johnson – can match up with most number ones. He's he's a really underrated quarterback. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to get you any interceptions, barely going to knock any balls away, but he's going to clamp you down. He's going to play tight coverage, and, and that's something that is still valuable in the NFL. He's going to make you go another direction. I think he let up like he got targeted four times, one catch for like 13 yards, and six of it was yak. So, I mean, like he can, he can clamp down. Again, it was Romeo Dobbs. He was on most of the game, you know, not a world beater, not Mike Evans or or Chris Godwin. But if you're trying to go take these deep shots down on the field and these, you know, these deep crosses on them, Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson can get you, you know, can get you um can get you by and and can make you make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I love Jaquan Brisker too. I think he's a great player as well. I think he's probably one of the best players. He's probably the best young player on your team, in my opinion. Um, with the most upside, I loved him coming out of college. I liked what I saw last year. Obviously, there's rookie growing pains, but um, I'd like to get your thoughts on him too. But I, I, I think there's certainly ways to take advantage of this Bears defense, um, and I think that's going to be the quick short game rather than going for those those haymakers, those steep shots down the field. Because I think you guys have the way have the personnel to combat that. Yeah, and I'm intrigued too. Just real quick here, Q. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to watch the Bears corners against Evans and Godwin this week because obviously the Bears play very Tampa 2-inspired system. So Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson, the rookie over on the other side, press, you know, press at the line, well, jam guys. They didn't last week. But well, they no, should. they didn't last week, but that's what they should be doing. <laughs> so that's why I'm intrigued to see what's going to happen this week because to your point, JC, this is not Romeo Dubs and Jalen Reed. Like Christian Watson didn't even play last week. That's the right. crazy thing that a lot of people might forget is that their technical number one wasn't even on the field and you couldn't right. even tell. This is Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who are very easily two of the <laughs> best receivers in the league, who I think are just unfortunately don't get talked about because they play in the MC South. And that's just the nature of that division, unfortunately, in, in the national landscape. I think it's a load of horse crap. I love following the NFC South personally, but yeah, Levante David, case in point. Le, yeah, Levante David is such a stud that gets severely disrespected in the NFL. I will. I will die on that hill as a Bears fan. It does not matter. I've I've begged for him to be in a Bears uniform my entire life. So, <laughs> but like that to me is the biggest the biggest matchup I'm watching. Agreement with you because Evans and Godwin are not small guys. Like they're not guys that are just going to easily get pressed at the line and, mm-hmm. and and be taken off their route. I'm waiting for Evans to try and especially if he gets Stevenson, who he's a rookie. He's he's shown he's very aggressive. aggressive. I'm waiting for Evans. If he gets matched up one-on-one with Evans, I'm waiting for Evans to to dip into that veteran savvy and just potentially embarrass him. And that personally just scares the hell out of me. (laughs) Yeah, so the predicate of this offense is, right, is uh, Coach Canales describes it as a heavyweight fight, right? You're not going for a a haymaker or the knockout punch every time. You know, you're going to hit him with body blows, body blows, body blows, wear him down, wear him down, wear him down. And then when they don't expect it, that's when you come with a haymaker. That's where you come with the uppercut. That's where you knock them down. Um, and that's much of what this Bucks is gonna Bucks offense is gonna be throughout the season. It's gonna be quick throw, quick throw, quick throw, run, 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 quick throw, quick throw, boom, deep hit, boom, Evans touchdown, forty yards down the field. Um, 
that's what this offense is going to be. Uh, teams will catch on and figure it out and find ways to, you know, kind of combat it and stuff like that. But at the same time, one of the things that helps them the most is because so much of what they're doing comes out of the same um, formations and stuff like that. And they can run any play that well, not any play, but most plays they have, they can run out of any personnel grouping on the field that they have out there. Even if it's, you know, 12 personnel, which is obviously two tight ends. If listeners don't know, um, or 13 personnel, three tight ends, um, or 11 personnel, right? Uh, any person, grouping they have on the field they have ways that they can especially with the versatility of these running backs being able to be good receivers uh they can line them out in the slot and they can hit you in any different way so it keeps teams off off balance and i think that's what we'll see probably this week like i said they'll hit them with those short quick throws challenge those linebackers challenge you know challenge put Ngakwe in coverage see what you know trying to get him to to get him to have to chase a a, 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 line, a running back in the flat right yeah. get those matchups uh get Jackson to, to sneak down to the line where, you know, he's been prone to miss tackles. I think he missed the least amount of tackles last year in his career, but every other year you've seen, it's been double digit missed tackles. It's been uh, a theme for him, which is not, not good. Right. Um, Dan so, Hampton just called him a clown on uh, WGN radio yeah, yesterday because of how he's playing. So for what I, that's think, worth, they, I think Dan's looking at the wrong stuff personally, but I don't know. I'm not a hall of famer. <laughs> but I no, I just think that like if you do that, right, you're hitting them with those quick passes where I think you can take advantage. And then all of a sudden you switch it up and you send Mike deep against Tyreek Stevenson, who's a rookie, who's still kind of, you know, as you said, being a little aggressive, trying to make a name for himself, trying to go up against he's going up against the best receiver he's ever faced in his entire life right now. And Mike Evans and Mike says that, like you said, he's that savvy guy who can put a move on him, and then boom, you're looking at a Mike Evans, you know, 40 yard completion down the field there in the red zone. And next two plays later, they're scoring a touchdown or kicking the field goal to put the, you know, put them ahead, increase their lead, or get points on the board or anything. So I think that's the situation where the Bucks, and I don't think this is going to be a blowout in any means. I think it'll be, you know, probably maybe like a 10 point game, maybe, you know, 13 points. Um, I don't think it's going to be like a like a forty to nothing or a thirty five. I think the the Bucks offense is still figuring it out. I think the defense should have a good ability to shut the offense down for the Bears, um, but I don't think the the Bucks are going to like just blow the Bears out of the water. I think they're just it's just the offense is still too new and there's still too many kinks to work out. Ugh, you're being generous. You're being generous, JC. <laughs> we don't have as much faith as you. Just naturally, we're pessimists as, as Bears fans. Q, you got another question? Um, I only got one more question for you. Is Jason Light Jameis one of one? He's not. He's okay. not. Okay. He's not. I've been I, waiting for verification on this. I, I've been wondering he, I know for years. He's not. I, I think it's multiple people. Um, yeah. My wife is really good at like finding people who don't want to be found. And <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure uh, it's what she does for a job. I won't get too much into it, but I'm pretty sure we found out who it was, the, the multiple people. One's a female, the other's a male that are running that account. At the end of the day, I, I, I don't pay attention to him anyway. It's, it's just crazy. Um, he's with the Saints now, so yeah, I don't have to deal with him. I don't see him on the Bucks newsfeed as much anymore. So, uh, you know, some people just don't don't understand logic and reason, and he's one of them. He's gonna go to, he's gonna die on the Jameis Winston Hill, and it's it is what it is. It's a weirdo. <laughs> hey, he's a he is a published author, sir. <laughs> published author, yes. He's using the term author. Um... Very, very loosely. loosely. Yeah. <laughs> very loosely. Oh, anyone can be an author. I mean, you just have to go. What was that? You see the TikTok of that guy that was in a supermarket? He wrote a book, and then uh, someone, you know, who's got a bunch of followers on TikTok posted him on there. And then the guy ends up being a bestseller on New York Times because he went viral on TikTok over some like, <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah. It's just write a book and get on TikTok and you'll be famous, I guess. I don't know. It's that easy, we'll, folks. It's that we'll, easy. We'll, we'll that, that easy. We grew up in the wrong time, guys. I mean, some <laughs> of the stuff I'm sure. What we did when we were younger, if we record that and put that on the internet, I'm sure all of us would be living in lavish lifestyles right now in mansions with a million followers on TikTok. Too bad. We just missed the boat, right? So that dial-up internet. 
We had ASL. <laughs> yeah, right. AOL Messenger and MySpace was the definition uh, of my youth. But I was yeah. a coder back then, man. I can't remember any of that coding stuff now. And it would probably help me <laughs> like big time. <laughs> yeah, right. Coding before we even knew it was something that was going to be useful in our lives. <laughs> just just do doing it on for your fun. Profile? Yeah. <laughs> right. Just doing it for fun. Well, totally feel that. Well, JC, we appreciate you so much for, for jumping yeah. on and joining us. This was an absolute blast. Obviously, huge matchup coming up for you guys. I mean, I, I think the Buccaneers, you know, starting 2-0 would certainly kind of, at least I would hope, put the league on notice a little bit that, like you said, yeah. this this Buck team is too talented to be in the Caleb Williams discussion come year end. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, Hopefully we're not in the Caleb Williams discussion as Bears fans, but we'll find out. It's it's early, but there's a lot of football to be played. So, um, yeah, you know, I think I, I think the Bucks win this game. I don't have a score prediction ready for you guys yet, but I think they win this game. But that joy is is so short lived with the Philadelphia Eagles coming off a mini buy and just dismantling the Vikings right now. Uh, they come over on Monday night football. So they, they, they're coming off a mini buy after playing on Thursday. Plus they get that extra game, extra day. Cause they're not playing on Monday night football. And then the bucks go to the saints in the Superdome, which is a very difficult place to play a place where they have not had success a lot. Um, they get the bye week and then they get the lions who are, you know, looking really strong right now. Um, I, I think the bucks win this one again. I don't have a score prediction, but then, it's a it's a three game losing streak for them, so it's not something that they uh, they get to hold on too tightly uh, as Bucks fans of the team, and then they start to kind of right the ship and go. Uh, I, I put out my predictions, and they kind of go bounce back and forth, lost win, lost win, because they got that the Falcons after after the Lions, and then they go up to Buffalo on a short week for money for Thursday night football. They get yeah. so screwed. Their Thursday night game is two weeks after their buy. So it's like they get their buy and then they get their mini buy like a week and a half later. It's like, oh, it's like such a bad position that the league put them in this year. But what can you do? Yeah, that's that's brutal. And I know the Bears got to deal with that early in the year, too. It's, you you know, this game in Tampa and the next week they're off to Kansas City to get absolutely trounced <laughs> in Arrowhead. Uh, and then they come home for the Broncos, which maybe that's a win because I, I don't know what the Broncos are and are doing. But uh, and then they have the the short week Thursday night football in the in the nation's capital. They got the Commanders on uh, on October fifth. Um, and if it's anything like the Thursday night football between these same two teams a year ago, uh, we might all be scratching our eyeballs out because it's going to be really painful to watch. So. <laughs> Uh, absolutely, absolutely. That's what else is on tonight? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's Thursday. I wonder if any uh reruns of uh NCIS Los Angeles are on. Oh, Yellowstone, I think, is back. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be something like that. But JC, thank you so much, man, for joining us. We we really, really appreciate you. Um, encouraging all of our even Bears listeners to follow you. I, I'm, I'm very excited to kind of follow along now with the Bucks the rest of the season via you. Um, at JC Allen LFL on the old x slash twitter whatever the hell you want to call it nowadays it's like we like we call it in chicago it's still the sears tower not the willis tower i'm gonna call it twitter until somebody tells me i can't so uh, it's not the sears tower anymore no it hasn't been that's always a sears tower for me too i'm not even chicago but that's a sears tower i don't know what you're talking about i don't care sears goes out of business that's a sears tower still now and i appreciate it guys because i like like I, i i tell everybody like i'm a football fan first and foremost, you know, absolutely. Patriots fell. Patriots fell off. If Tampa wasn't here for me to cover, I would still love this game of football. Um, and I would find a new team, or I'd just follow the league. So, if like you're one of those junkies that just can't get enough football, and you want to know what's going on throughout the league, all over at at any time, and just kind of you just want to keep tabs on all the teams. Like I, I would love, I love, I love when people follow me for that reason. So if you're one of those I people, can. definitely follow me. I'm your one-stop shop for anything bucks down here. Giving you the, my Twitter is probably like one of the most comprehensive things. I got anything the bucks are sharing, any analytics, any video break, tape breakdowns, plus all of our amazing content at bucks game day with sports illustrated. So Definitely give me a follow, and I appreciate you guys having me on here. It's been awesome to chop it up with you guys. We had a couple, a uh, couple. Uh, we talked bears on tap with some brews on tap, which was nice. And uh, I'm down Thank to come you. on, you know, anytime. You know, if, if this probably not this season, but uh, if they end up playing each other next year or whatnot, I'm always down to be a guest or off season guest, whatever you guys want. It's been it's been a pleasure to hop on here and chop it up with y'all. 
Absolutely, JC. Absolutely. We appreciate you. And just quick reminder for all of our Bears listeners, you know where to follow us at Bears on Tap. Uh, follow all of our other great Chicago sports coverage here at the On Tap Sports Network, ontapsportsnet.com, at ONTAP Sportsnet on the socials. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell button on YouTube as well. The On Tap Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. JC, thank you for joining us. Uh, Q, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure to jump on the microphone with you. Big game coming up on Sunday and uh, looking forward to uh, potentially being in your DMs during the game there, JC, about what's going on and uh, some instant reaction in case you uh, need anything to uh, to share to the the Bucks faithful in case they want to know how upset Bears fans are when they uh, inevitably lose. So no, appreciate it, JC. You're the man and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. But thank you so much, JC. We appreciate you. And as always, this is Bears on Tap. Bear down and got to please make i hope the bears make it interesting on sunday just just a little just a little have a good night everybody oh.